0: A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning,
1: everyone. Welcome to Transformative Experts. Today I have with me an old friend, Andre Brisson. Andre, Andre's up in, uh, around uh, Toronto, up in Canada. He's a successful business owner. He owns an engineering firm. He's also a coach. We got to know each other actually a number of years ago in, in a program called the Strategic Coach. And we both uh, are also um, doing work with, with Colby, which I haven't talked about yet on, on the show, but we're going to soon. Um, you know, now now brace yourselves because Andre is a very, very serious guy. So I'm hoping that this show is not going to be just super boring. Is it, Andre? Yes,
2: it will be, Chris.
1: Oh, he's got his radio voice on. As a matter of fact, if if the (laughs) listeners could see, he shared one of his hand signals with me, but it's not one that can get translated online very easily. Um Andre, so uh anyway, let's 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 dive in because you got some really really cool stuff that you can you can bring to our our listening audience and I think it applies to a lot of business leaders, not just entre- entrepreneurs but people in leadership all over the board. So um well first of all, you know, tell me a little bit about your 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 engineering company and how it led you to the coaching you do today.
2: Um originally I started Jade Engineers, which was just another darn engineer. Um and then after making that into successful self-managing company, I uh, got into a bad partnership and then left that and started objective engineering. And um, over the years with my first engineering company, just, you know, a lot of things have been going on in my life and trying to figure out how I work best so I don't burn the candle at both ends like we're all aware of, we all tend to do. I uh, started looking into strength building and learning different things. And um, <clears throat> what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs>
1: which actually gets to one of our topics, which will be ADHD. But we'll get to that in just a minute or two. Um, you know, actually, you know what? You said something. I would, I just want to touch. So, so you have experienced something we've all experienced, and that's a partnership that didn't work out the way that we were we were hoping or expecting. And some of us have experienced multiple of those in our lifetime. What What happened with your partnership? With what you can share.
2: Uh, well, it's, not, it's quite easy, actually. I got bored with Jade Engineers because I actually got it to a point of self-management and was successful. Uh, and then I got into, a uh, company approached me to expand their business and they were after a certain knowledge that I had that I gained an expertise in, which was truck-mounted hydro trucks, sorry, or power trucks, as uh, South of the Border calls them. Um, and I thought it was a good idea. It was something new and the new you know, I love to learn. So it'd be a whole new different aspect to keep going on or to learn more. Um, and my gut said, don't, but I went in anyways. And, uh, basically they they didn't respect the knowledge I was bringing to my experience. And it just got very, very toxic. Um, and they were starting to sabotage the growth of it. So I just, I left. And, um, uh, but that was a very painful year and a half, uh, depression, you know, really took control of my life. let like say something's wrong. Got to stop and I got to leave or it will kill me. So how,
1: how did how, I guess, you know, how did you recognize that? Because I, I think I, I meet a lot of people who seem very depressed in their work and don't seem to have the courage to leave or do what it takes. And they just seem to plod through things. I mean,
2: how, how did you make yeah. it happen? Um, I realized that what I would do is get home, find some reason to freak out on my kids to send them to bed early, so I can get downstairs and just turn my brain off and watch TV every night, seven days a week. And I started noticing a pattern, and uh, my kids were starting to distance themselves from me. And then I, was, one day, I just like I said, I do this every night. What's going on? And and you know, I says something's not right. So I went and got help. Help in the form of a psychologist, a coach? I mean, I uh, started with uh, therapy. Okay. I said, I went to my general practitioner. I said, something's not right. Um, and I'm, um, you know, I, I got to sort some stuff out and I didn't want to make a rash decision. But in the end, I just had to decide that the partnership was bad, it was not healthy. I was making a lot of money, but it was not healthy for my family and my health, mental health. So, which led to the psychiatrist and then some uh, impressive revelations that explains a lot of my last 40 years.
1: Well, okay, so, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists, and there's, there's a, sometimes there can be a bit of a stigma. Oh, there's something wrong with me because I've got to go see one of these people. Um, did did you worry about that or, or did were you just in such a bad place that you just had to do something and, and you were willing to do anything? And what advice would you give somebody who may be in that place who's afraid to go see a psychologist?
2: I definitely was raised that if you went and got mental health help, you were a weakling and an embarrassment and it looks bad on the whole family. But what I saw what I was doing to my immediate family in my own house, I said, nope. There's no way, Uh, you know, my, like I always say, after I had two kids, my pride was gone. So there was nothing left to me to go. So, you know, if I was going to be ridiculed or find out something I'm not happy with, uh, it was ready for change. Something had to change or I would not have a family or I probably have an early grave. So what advice would you give somebody? I mean, you know, when's, when's
1: the time to start looking based on your experience?
2: Awareness is huge. You've got to be self-aware to understand or see that something's not going on. You know, if you're starting to use alcohol or drugs or you're starting to really work more and more hours. uh, For me, it was getting really upset with people for no real reason. Um, When something's not completely right, you got to look at yourself to see if this is the normal you. And if it's not the normal you, I think it's time to get help. You know, it's, I started off with my talking to my wife first, and noticing what I've been noticing, and uh, and to get professional help. Well, certainly a theme through our shows um, seems
1: to be self awareness. I mean, you know, there wasn't anything intentional about it, but I mean, let, let's face it: leaders need to be self aware, and we know there's a lot of them that aren't. But um, but but this is this is really really important. Okay, so so a little bit back to your your, your story then. So so you left and you you started your current. Um, you started your current engineering firm, but you didn't just start just another engineering firm. I mean, y- you guys are unique in your approach. And, um, and so, so, you know, share with our audience how you created the approach and how you found an, a, a niche that, um, was opportunistic, maybe even a little disruptive, but filled a need that was out there.
2: Uh, regarding engineering you're referring to?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Before we yeah. get to the
2: coaching stuff. Um, Yeah. What, what happened was I have a bunch of friends are engineers and either you got to do the commodity, all encompassing engineering, structural engineering. And I got into a company where we're dealing with mobile cranes and unique individual one-off fabrications. We were, you know, we try to tip over trucks to make sure they're stable for the people to use them. And then I decided, I said, you know i want to start a company and they all said you cannot do a niche market engineering firm and be successful so i said okay i'll prove you wrong and now it's been uh, almost uh, 13, 15 years
1: yeah and you guys you guys do work that that a lot of engineers would even consider risky i mean there's so much kind of conservatism in cover your butt in engineering. And yet you guys have have said kind of, well, you know what? Somebody's got to do this work and we're going to do it. And and Mm -hmm. you've actually, you really have carved out a very successful little niche doing something that nobody else does.
2: Yeah. And what we say is we do what most engineers don't do, make decisions, get dirty, talk to people, work with the people in the field and get to understand how the trades work and how management works and how all that works. So we can all get things done together so we do a lot of fall protection mobile cranes like i said the hydro trucks or sorry the power trucks um and if there's no rule book that clearly defines the scope that's what we deal with we deal with a lot of the gray so we'll take the best of all black and white worlds and make this you know, there's 20% of stuff that cannot be covered by regulations and rules, so we make that safe and useful. So can you give an, give an example, share a live example? Well, <clears throat> um, the one example would be is um, you've got elevating work platforms like a scissor lift that goes up and down. That's typically on a construction site. Uh, someone decide they want to put it on a truck, on a, on a big truck. There's no standard or regulation that covers that. But at the same time, they want to use that on live line work for uh, for a light train system. Um, but if you're going to work live line, on like live power, which we do in Canada quite frequently, that's actually an aerial truck that's the power companies use. That's a different standard. And then they decide they want to put a little crane on the back, which is a third standard. So we had to take the best of all worlds and make it stable and safe, uh, dielectrically. So no one gets electrocuted stable while they're using the different configurations. Oh, and then by the way, later they said the platform twists, turns and extends. So it turned out to be three days of stability testing, uh, some unique and, uh, interesting way of report writing. So and it was accepted by the department of laborers out in Western Canada, to me, that's easy, but to a lot of people, it was a an impossibility.
1: Well, in again knowing you, it wasn't. It's not just that it's easy; it's fun, right? And so, so something our listeners don't know yet is you're diagnosed as ADHD or on the spectrum. Is that correct?
2: Yes, yes. I was diagnosed a year and a half ago at severe.
1: Yeah, and so so having said that, though, I mean, you've been doing this work for a long time. How, how much of your ADD? or ADHD, I guess, is the proper term. How much of that played into you needing to find a career that gave you variation?
2: Oh, all of it, <laughs> 100%. Um, I got fortunate to get into the right company right off right off the bat, uh, right from graduation that did a lot of this unique stuff, and we were f- small, and I was free to do whatever I wanted, when I wanted. Um, and if we wanted to try something, we tried it. So... I think being fortunate to get that first job and then using my abilities unknowingly, uh, it it really supported my symptoms and I didn't get problematic until this partnership and having kids.
1: Yeah, I got you. I got you. And so when did you you start the coaching practice? Was it before or after the the diagnosis? Oh, that was the first question. Now I remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, I
2: told you we'd get back to it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, technically I kind of started that with my first engineering company. Um, when I started hiring staff, it was like, we're the communication wasn't working well. And then with through strategic coach that you're familiar with, we did the Colby index on our first day. And I applied that with their leadership and direction to my team and it turned out to be a fantastic communication tool. And I really got that working, and then some other customers were noticing, or some other local business people, and I just start learning more and then coaching more just around the area. And this kind of developed into seeing the demand. And then for me, with objective engineering, I can't, you know, it's self managing again. I got to keep my interests in a couple different ways, and learning is a big one for me. and. Uh, Getting onto this coaching a little more seriously now, more directed focus. While I'm still overseeing the engineering, is what I've been doing. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um,
1: and so, your coaching practice. I mean, are you tell Tell me a little bit then about who you're coaching outside of engineering. Who do you help?
2: What I my target market, I guess you want to say, yeah. or my my focus is uh, ADHD entrepreneurs. And high-achieving ADHD professionals, um, or you know, if you were if you were classified as gifted as a kid, uh, along those lines, and then anything within the engineering um, in the engineering field. Just because I'm biased on that, but a lot of times I want to. We work with uh, those if it's an entrepreneurial company or an entrepreneur. I really like that that they want to go to the next level. They're not at a startup. They know they got to do something different so they can jump up to the next level of growth.
1: Yeah, and so I, I guess one of the things, and uh, we've got a couple minutes left before we break. But the the, the concept of ADHD, uh, you know, one of the you know one of the, the D's. I mean, well, one of them is um, deficit, and the other is you know disability, right? I mean, it's it's. I mean, ADHD has such a negative connotation. I mean, we we prescribe drugs for this sort of thing, and, and I know that there's probably a clinical um, basis of this, but there's also some theory coming out now saying that that maybe ADHD is misnamed. Maybe for a group of people, it's actually a strength. It's something that can be leveraged. How do you
2: feel about that? I believe ADHD is a disorder when you're not working within your strengths or within in a positive environment for your ADHD symptoms. Um, I've always said that your strengths can be your weaknesses or imp- and so I've kind of concluded from there that unmanaged strengths are impairments and ADHD can be impairing, but that's only when your ADHD symptoms are unmanaged. So once you've managed, like I have lately, m- my symptoms, they're my powerhouse. It's the reason I look back if I'm successful and where I am and do what I do. Excellent. Well, we're we're up on our first break already. So, um,
1: what I'd like to do is, is well let's we'll, we'll take a couple, couple minutes here and, and um, you know let the advertisers do what they're going to do. And uh, when we come back, I actually I want to talk further about you know the the strengths and the powerhouses as you, as you just put it. So, stay tuned, everyone. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity purpose, and action. At Nexecute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit NexecuteGroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of The Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts.
1: And we're back with Andre Brisson. Andre. Um, boy, so much comes to mind. I, it's funny. Just just earlier today, I was working with a client, and um, you know, I, I I believe he's ADHD. Is is I think probably a lot of entrepreneurs are to some degree. I I almost wonder if it's a prerequisite because you know <laughs> you know it, it, you know of how we drive success and deal with failures and all that stuff. And and you know, it, it, I was actually working with him on a new company. He's he's now started one, two, three, four. This is his fourth or fifth new company that he started. And, um, you know, part of our conversation was, well, you know, what's the long-term plan? You know, and, um, you know, a lot of organizations, long-term plans are all kinds of things. But, you know, in his case, you know, he talked about, you know, an exit. And, and he made the comment. He said, yeah, he said, you know, I uh, want to do what I've done before. You know, take this to about four or five years and sell it and then go on and do something else. He said, because if it goes any longer than five years, I'm going to get bored. <laughs>
2: Well, that's exactly what happened with me, and I actually started a little, another little company that allows me to do these random things and random business arrangements. Um, yeah, I can totally appreciate that. It's once it gets boring, that's when the trouble begins. Because we got to get still get excited, get that dopamine hit, and uh, like for me, once the companies became self managing, it was like, what now? I I'm great at managing chaos. I need that stuff to be flying at me and be f-
1: scared. Yeah, it was funny a couple of years back I had the opportunity to sit in on a session with a it was a small group of people talking about ADHD and we were talking in the education system but but in general. And um, one of the, the 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 two presenters, one was Kathy Colby, the other one was Ned Hallowell. And Ned is one of the the kind of the the primary thought leaders on ADHD here in the US, I don't know worldwide. You are nodding. I think you've probably read some of the stuff or you're familiar with the stuff. And, you know, he said something that was really, really interesting. He said, you know, everybody thinks of it as a disorder, and there is certainly a clinical disorder to be defined. But he said, ADHD is not the, he said, it's not actually the inability to focus. He said, it's more about about, um, finding something worth focusing on. You know, uh, he, he himself, I mean, the re- reason why he got into the field, same as, as you with coaching on this, is, is ADHD. And he, he said, you know, he said, we find that the, the people we look at, these kids that they call ADHD, um, you know, it's, it's that their mind is in a constant search for something to capture their attention. And when they're in a situation that's boring, you know, that, that they perceive as boring, then they're not going to be connected and engaged. But if they find something that captures their attention... They
2: actually have the ability to hyper focus. Mm-hmm. What would you What would you say to that? Oh, very true. It's not that we're deficit in attention; we got too much attention. Um, it's just that the deficit of attention is what people are expecting. You is the norm, yeah. but like you said, if if like for me, if I'm bored, I'm I'm all over. I'm looking here. I'm looking there. Like you know, you could you know, here. I'm going to I can't stop. You know, stop can't stop sitting still fidget. Um, and I'm looking for something else and that's, and then the impulsivity kicks in and then some things are said that shouldn't be. Um, but yeah, once you get engaged, get that brain engaged, hyper-focus, I can sit down and I can work for hours and hours and hours. Like for example, I had to design a crane tower for a small crane. Again, another kind of unit that's never been seen yet. Um, It was out of aluminum. Never learned that in school. And it's interesting. So I bought a $800, 600-page textbook on aluminum design. And um, I waited till three days before the project was due. And that includes design, modeling, and drawings. But I sat down for two days straight, 14 hours, both days, just reading that textbook from cover to cover. So, in the day three, I was now an expert. I was able to design the crane tire with the nuances with welding, make the 3D model, make the drawings, and still deliver it on time. So, yeah, the ability to, to hyper
1: focus and, and actually to channel it. And so, earlier, you know, before the break, you, you talked about ADHD can be a powerhouse. Um, so, it's not, <clears throat> it's not always something that's an impediment, but, but when approached as a strength, it can be a powerhouse. And to me, that sounds
2: like a great example of it. Exactly. Like it's, again, I'm also type two diabetic. Um, as about three months before my ADHD diagnosis, but oh, you're, but you're the, a wreck, man. You're falling apart. Not anymore. Cause I kicked diabetes in the butt and I took control of it. Good and deal. what I learned with diabetes is it has to be managed. It is what it is. Di- I'm diabetic. There's nothing I can do. I can take more pills. I can take insulin if I want. And still lived the way I did, but my body doesn't like that's not healthy. I lost the 70 pounds, but I just managed it. And I may have been able to maintain that. And I'm just down to one pill a day. Then I brought it over to the ADHD. Yes, I was trying to get over it. There is some, you know, you're upset, you're guilty, whatever. But in the end, I have ADHD. I understand it. I learn what it is. And, and I try to create positive, um, environments and situations and systems and routines that I've been doing while I was undiagnosed, creating to manage them unknowingly, I stick to those. So now they're no longer a disability or a deficit because now I can use these and, and, um, I got the French word in my head and it's getting stuck. I did a lot of French work with back the last few days. What's the French word? Uh, now I'm forgetting it because now you interrupted my train of thought. See, there's, (laughs) there's a little bit of that there going too, but either way. Yeah. If it's, if you're managed, managed ADHD can become your strength. You're channeling it for the right reasons. Like for example, hyperactivity for an adult, I've been diagnosed as severe. My psych actually asked, told me there's, can't believe I graduated engineering on time and I've had successful businesses, um, so hyperactivity for an adult male is very rare. So I'm physically hyperactive, and then my brain never stops either. So it's also never going, never stopping, always going, never stopping. And my wife actually says sometimes she can hear my head go in, um, in bed. So I got one speed, and that's 150%. Either I'm zero or 150. I can't sit still. Brain is always going, rehashing stuff, and it's never boring in my head, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I'll and bet. and ba- and boundless energy and stamina. Um, and then the impulsivity side, you know, people think I'm funny because I got no filter. I say it as it is, but I think that's a lot that has to do with my Asperger's diagnosis too on the autism scale. Um, you know, and then when I'm bored or impatient, I get things moving along. Before it was rudely, but now it's, you know, strategically. And then having my attention span so big or so little, uh, I'm using that as an, an identification that something's not going to plan or we're, we're hitting a wall and then we can actually change and I can push stuff. And with the multiple attention, like the excessive attention and focus I can get is I like to learn new things. So I can really bring in new stuff, try new things, um, and then overcome, uh, any challenge that's out there i'm not afraid to try it because well if it can't be done it's something new something new to learn now my head's engaged my brain's engaged so once th- boredom sets in i delegate all that stuff i figured out and i let them i let the team continue with that and re- make that real and recur and i try to find a new the new thing to get in trouble in that's why i call myself the ctm the chief troublemaker now
1: no, that's actually it's great you know one of the things that that we find leaders struggle with or I should say managers really especially if they're on the smaller business or they haven't grown or, or been forced to grow beyond um, let's say a, a, a large larger side of a small company or even middle market is it becomes very difficult for them to delegate and people tend to like control and they want to hold it but but it's that's also becomes a barrier and it just sounds to me like like this has actually allowed you to leverage delegating more, get, get more off your plate. So you can stay on that creative side of things.
2: Yes. Like the, to me, like the biggest thing too, is undiagnosed ADHD. Um, like you were raised, you never, if only you can try, if only can you try harder and you got into this bad perfectionist attitude and routine. So a lot of it had not you know, it wasn't hard to delegate, but it's just that perfectionist attitude uh-huh. and habit, actually, that was formed is hard to let go. So some people might be controlled, but for me, I did more about the habit of making sure it's perfect and, you know, trying to make it 102% while the 70% is adequate for them. Like one customer told me, he goes, what you think is 50% is 100% of what the customer expects. So, but it's never enough, never enough. You want to do more, but having this awareness now, it's like, yeah, those stuff would actually make me go into big rages. Cause it's stuff I really hate to do or was against my MO. Um, So I stopped doing it. I hired more people. I just, I can't prove it on paper, but I just hired two other people to take all that stuff off of me so I can spend more time getting more work. And now it's been, a month since you have been here. Now we're starting to show and prove by numbers that that was a good decision to make. Yeah. I mean,
1: typical entrepreneurial decision to go with your gut to some degree. And you know, obviously you know your business well enough. Yeah. you know, when, when when something wasn't quite right before you were good at handing things off and, and it would put you into one of these moods, how long would it take you for you to recover, to kind of get back to some level of normalcy? Was it Was it a long time? Was it short? I mean, tell me a little bit about that.
2: Uh, it depends on the extreme. Like, you know, it could be a week for some stuff. It was, you know, for a while I I vent a lot. Like I, I used to do quick vents just to get over stuff. Um, but sometimes if it's big, severe, it, it could it could be weeks. Um, with the ADHD, especially with the emotional dysregulation, you can get in some really stumpy moods, and it makes no sense. It makes no sense to anyone it makes a a lot of sense to me but even sometimes it gets kind of frustrating you know this is something you should get over you're already over it but the body is just sort of the brain's telling you no let's just keep this going a little more and then not having tricks and um, mindfulness to get over that um, it it made it very difficult for people around me and I still wonder sometimes why my top two guys are still with me Well, they must love you. I
1: hope so. Uh, You know, so uh, I was thinking that you talk, you know, today you have a high level of self-awareness. So you understand what's going on and you probably can even manage, manage around other people, not throw other people off and everything. But self awareness is not something that is highly prevalent out there has been my experience there's a lot of people who who may have a, some level of self awareness but they don't have the depth of it I look i I myself struggle with it from from time to time if i'm not paying attention uh, you know h- how does how does um, how does one determine that it's it's time to 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 seek the help I actually I kind of asked that question earlier but but I'm, I'm still kind of, I, I guess, trying to get my arms around this is, is how, would, how would you bring, if, if, if you saw somebody on your team doing this, how would you approach it with them? How would you, how would you share with them? Maybe it's time to, to, to activate this because, you know, your actions are hurting you. You're not helping you.
2: Yeah, like, and that's the thing, if you work with me and in my companies, it's all about personal growth right from day one, and everyone's aware of their strengths and even their weaknesses. I Like I point out, like to my my new partner, who's now the engineering manager, the guy who's been with me for almost 10 years now, it's been two years, he's supposed to oversee all the projects, the company projects, make sure the team members on track, but he, he just, he doesn't have the knack for it. And so we had her sit down and said, realistically, this is not one of your skills. It's one of your weaknesses. Either you keep trying to make it better and we're going to keep having the problems we're having, or we hire someone that's good at that stuff. And then you can go do the other stuff that you're good at. He wasn't too happy receiving that because he made a personal promise to me. That's what he was going to do to take that off my plate. And now he's throwing it back on me. and says, you're not throwing it back on me. We're going to hire someone. And but you got to be true and honest that that you're not perfect and that you're you know you're not perfect and something can be wrong with you and 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 what is it and if you're self aware of your weaknesses and you can manage those then you know you know and you know you, you know yourself if you work against your grain or you work doing things you don't like or you're working to make your weaknesses stronger you get frustrated. You don't enjoy life. You don't enjoy what you're doing. And that just, you know, it snowballs into an explosion or an emotional disaster. And you got to look at why those happen and be honest with yourself. Uh, like when I started my Jade Engineers, I just decided I wasn't too impressed how I left that company a lot of emotional dysregulation things and other stuff. But I decided what I call it was the mirror check. I looked straight in the mirror and I said, this is what I don't like about you. This is what I don't like about you. This is what I like about you. And the stuff that I don't like about you, let's figure out why that happens. And then what I started doing was actually start creating some strategies or early warning systems that if these situations occur, I'm going to end up into that person I don't like. So either I mitigated before or try to avoid it completely. But that's an honest conversation you have with yourself. And if you're ready to do it, it's amazing what can happen. But if you lie to yourself, you're not doing anything good. It takes a lot of courage.
1: It takes yeah. a lot of courage, right? I mean, you yeah. know, it, it couldn't have been easy to, to, to sit down because like you said, you know, being raised to believe that, that, that um, having a mental issue... Um, whether we would define it as a full mental illness or just something it's off for a period of time, that's taboo for a lot of people. And um, and I think it takes a lot of courage to 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 self reflect, to challenge yourself, and to make it happen. Yet it could be the healthiest first phase. And it can't, I can't help but think about you know when you think about you know Alcoholics Anonymous or other rehabilitation programs or other things that we've seen, the first step is always admitting that you've got a problem. And you know what? We, we all have them. Every one of us does. Um, and, and, you know, I would jokingly say sometimes the, the people who, who say, well, they don't have any probably have the most. You know I, you know it's just a, a question of, of who's really willing to, to work on themselves. Uh, we're already up to our next break. and um, I, I want to come back and, and talk with Andre after the break about maybe some of the techniques, some of the coping mechanisms and and uh, different ways that, that you' you've turned this around and utilize it, make it positive, capture it in the moment. So stay tuned, we'll be back in just a minute or two, and um, we'll talk more with Andre.
2: Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa,
0: play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of The Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit MexicuteGroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E Group.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back one last time with Andre Brisson.
1: Andre. Okay, so we've talked talked a lot about recognizing ADHD and, and the different kind of things it can cause. Um, you know, uh, I guess one of the questions I want to ask is, is you know, I always hear the term spectrum when related to this, and you mentioned, you know, severe in certain cases. Um, tell me a little bit about the, the different varieties of ADHD that are out there, the different levels, and, it, and at what point do you have to look to something, let's call it, uh, I'll call it artificial or external to deal with it, i.e. a medication or those kind of things. And then then we'll circle back and talk about some of the techniques you use. But 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 first, tell me a little bit about the different different levels of ADHD.
2: Well, first of all, there's, uh, well, depending on who you want to talk to in the new DSM, but uh, either the ADHD is inattentive ADHD or hyperactive and impulsive ADHD. So the inattentive is, is that daydreamer in the back, corner of the class, we're just always looking out the window, I uh, looked, they're not disruptive, like little boys are technically uh, hyperactive, uh, ADHD, but they have a hard time focusing, so that's a lot of the women and girls are, are more so inattentive, and then you got your hyperactive and impulsive, which, you know, like I was talking to my daughter, she had a hard time explaining it to people and to her teacher, but I brought her... Just me and her, I said, okay, sounds like you're talking about impulsivity. And she says, no, you don't understand. I said, well, here's the scenario. In your head, you go, it'd be funny if I poked that person in the nose. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I just had a picture of that. Yeah, and you that's what your head said. Do you, you think that? And all of a sudden, oh, my no, my finger's in their nose. And she goes, exactly. I don't even think to do it. It's just there. And I said, that's the impulsivity. So once you get, I connected her, like I know what it is. Um, then there was a connection and and to see, like, that's the impulsivity. There's no thinking about it. That's a, that's a brain thing. So you can have people that are, the imp- it, it's all measured by impairment to your day-to-day life. So either it has a small impairment or effect on your day or severe. Um, some people... Like for me, for severe, if I don't keep my, if I wasn't in the environments I was in create my own companies, I'd be probably, I'd probably have 12 or 15, 20 jobs by now. Um, And the impulsivity, uh, you know, it, it, it could affect your finances, your relationships even like I'm, I'm very fortunate. I found a wife that's very patient and understanding because, it's definitely interesting, especially with all the mood swings and that. And, you know, it's not something most people are comfortable talking about, but this is the reality of it. I am moody. I can get uh, upset for no reason. To what people appear, what this thing is, it's everyone's perceptions is what's not important. But to me, it's a big deal and it's a f- uh, flight or fight reactions. Um, or you can have it where it just kind of, it sort of impairs your day. Um, and in your living, so yeah, it can go from very little to very small it's just similar to the au- the autism scale either you're someone who cannot speak or communicate at all to you got some complications, but they can still live a, f- a fulfilling life yeah so so here 's a question um,
1: I actually want to talk to you about your self management in a minute, but i 'm thinking now about managing others for a moment so um, look uh, the truth is probably that if if I'm not ADHD, I know somebody who is, right? I mean, you know, I, I think that, that this is probably more um, prevalent out there than, than, than we realize. If, um, if, if, if I were in a situation, um, well, let's say you and I are, are talking and, and, and I do something innocently um, that triggers you, throws you into one of these moods, kind of puts you off, and you're, let's say you're not, not completely aware, what can I do in that moment to turn
2: it around, well, just ask what happened or why did that upset you, um, or what's what is the reason for the reaction? Um, it's actually being aware that you noticed it and not dismiss that it's not the normal reaction, and it's just uh, just you know I get all time oh there he goes again there he goes again yeah right and and I and even from a kid and I see that with other kids or even adults it's like when people react that way there's a reason 99% of the time. Yes. You got your egotistical people or people are just angry all the time, but why is the, the, that child reacting that way? Why there's a reason why, and let's wor- figure out the why they're reacting that way. Not what it looks on me or on me in, in front of everyone. Right. Um, you know, and that's where gaslighting gets very dangerous for neuro uh, neurodivergent uh, people where it's easy to set me off and then you get manipulated that way. Ah, that's interesting. But, right? um, uh,
1: but, but also what you're talking about then is, is it's a form of an emotional intelligence. So it's not just about self-awareness, but awareness of others. I mean, and I think it takes again, courage to, to say why, because uh, let's face it, we've all known those people that, that we, we see them get triggered and we just want to throw our hands up in the air and walk the other direction. And just say, you know, screw it. I don't want to talk to this guy. And this guy's always doing this stuff. Why even deal with it? But, we could be really missing out on an opportunity to, to, to take something to a much
2: better level or, or, or improve a relationship. Mm-hmm. Correct. Like the ADHD and uh, autism minds, like they're pretty much, um, like they can, that's what they call the neurodivergent. Our brains don't work the same way. So the same way to to handle certain situations in the neurotypical world does not work for us and we just got to help to understand why are you different why why are you unique and try to understand the why so like for my wife and my my daughter like my daughter's going through getting checked for her adhd and my wife's definitely neurotypical um you know, it looked like they're going down a bad road for a long-term bad relationship, but once we start being aware of the, the triggers, even saying something little silly that most people didn't get upset at, it, it freaked her out, and then you get a big reaction. But once you start getting aware and understanding the whys, you can avoid it. Yeah. But like you said, you got to be honest, and you got to be aware of other people too. And, um, you know, this fitting everyone in the mold, that's very... That's very makes it very difficult for the neurodivergent minds to fit in that mold because we just can't. And that's when you, we react and that's how and why we just don't fit in the mold and we don't do what's normally accepted.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can understand that completely. And so, um, let's talk a little bit about your self-management, and the techniques, because because now you've you've got a much much higher level of self-awareness, and you've worked and you've you've studied this. I mean, that's that's one other thing is yeah, yeah. is you know like l- as I've gotten to know you through the years, I know that once you get curious about something, you're kind of you could be like a dog on a bone. You're just not going to let it up, right? you know, reading a reading an eight hundred dollar textbook on aluminum. You know, in two days, that to me sounds dreadful, but, but that's your way. So how do you deal with this? How, what did you learn?
2: Well, the one thing I learned is I can't do things piecemeal. Like I got to really get into my hyper-focus modes um, so I can get it done or it won't get done. And, um, and then I got to set up the environment for that. Um, So one of the first things I did when I got diagnosed is I took apart my, I got rid of my desk with drawers. I got rid of the bookshelf that was just an arm's reach away. So I got a standing desk that has no drawers and half of it is a whiteboard. So I can put all my thoughts quickly on the whiteboard and still focus on what I'm focusing. And the only thing on my desk is what I am working on. All my other books, all my other files are 25 feet away and that hutch is turned away from me. So I only see the backside. So is, is that about managing your visual cues then? That's managing my distractiveness yes. and visual cues. And then I got whiteboards in front of me on things I need. That's always in front of my face of what I need to do this week and the projects. Because once it goes in a drawer and it's out, out of view, it's gone. And then uh, created, you know, I didn't create. Sorry, and I, I used a couple online apps for for to do to do list, and then organize myself. Um, I have now a journal that everything I want to do. I used to have a journal for work, uh, like a planning journal for work, home, leisure. Now that's all in one spot. So anything I need to do gets dumped in one spot, and then once a week I sit down, and I compile all that, and I kind of book it. Months, weeks in advance, and then gets all put in one spot. So I know everything I thought of is in one spot. And then the beginning of every week, I sit down, I write down what I think I want done. Then I do a realistic view of what can be done, and then I plan out my week. And I actually pick the top three things I need to do that week, and what I top three things I do every day. So that's what I call the my uh, my my crap list for the week. and then every day I sit back down again and I fill out my focus maximizer that I created and I just write down three things I need to focus on that day and I always go back to those. To, I need to do those first and always go back and it's always in the same spot. Because surprises, last minute changes actually does not coincide very well with the ADHD brain. As much as, much as we don't want it to be predictable or we want, don't want structure, a structured environment does work. If everything's planned out, I got an idea where I'm going, and I can minimize the surprises, it, it works very well.
1: Well, and, you know, it's one of those things that requires a fair amount of discipline, though, and and structure.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, discipline. I'm still working out on that word myself, because you know how I over-engineered some stuff. Yeah. And thinking, but you have to... I, What I've realized over time is I got to create a habit and a habit takes work. It takes, you got to cognitively do it. You've got to be aware, set up cues to do it. And then once those habits become subconscious, now it's a routine. Yes. So, I th- in my, what I'm starting to see is you got to create habits first before you get a routine. And then the routine is now subconscious until you fall off the wagon. You got to be aware that you fell off the wagon and you just got to go back now and redo the habit to get back in the routine. Like for me, when I get up in the morning, I got to have a shower. I got to do it that way. I need my clothes picked the night before because I dress downstairs, my pills are right in front of the coffee maker. So I know I got to take those there and my hat, my keys, everything I need to go out the next day is in the same spot. If someone puts a piece of paper on top of it, it's gone. Now my whole morning is shot. I can walk around, circle the kitchen not look like wondering where everything is. And it's just under like, you know, and then my wife goes, well, it's just under the piece of paper. Like what, what's the big deal? No, it that threw off my whole flow and routine in the morning. And I do that so I can have a clear head. So, cause I'm already thinking about work in the day. Yeah. And then if my keys aren't there and then, then my whole day is shot. Yeah. So that those are the kinds of things in routines. Even when I come in, I got to, you know, if someone puts something in that corner where my hat and I dump my pockets in, it's like, are you kidding me? It, I take that as a shot of disrespect because that's my corner. I, I don't have the house. I just want a corner on the hutch, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 but it's stuff like that. And then when, like for, for awareness, like when the kids, my wife see me, and I now we say, if, I just give them a look like I need some time to decompress. So now it's just we all keep space, give me time to decompress, and I'm back for the night. If they try to keep going and pushing me when I get home in, those, in that state, then it's a lost night, and it's not fun for everyone. No, I, I hear you. I hear you.
1: Um, God, i got a couple more questions. We're getting a little tight, but let's see if we can get them in. So you mentioned journaling. Um, you know, that is something that a lot of people will say, oh, I can't journal, but... I, myself, who used to think that way, find that, that maintaining a pad of paper somewhere where I dump my thoughts is very, very powerful. It's a form of journaling. We might not like the word, but it is. Um, I also find that probably half the things I write down, when I look at them again, I'm like, eh, I'm never going to do that. And they just kind of go away. But but I do find the jewels that are focused. Do you find the same thing?
2: Uh, yes, Um like for me or the ADHD mind is um, our executive short-term executive function and the short-term memory is like neurotypicals can hold seven to 10 pieces of information in their short-term memory. And then if you add the 11th, then that first one drops off the ledge. Yeah. Well, the ADHD mind, anywhere from one to four. Got it. Got it. So for me to have, I got a work journal, like, so day to day for engineering or, you know, whatever. If I can write it down, I can I can hold more thing is if I'm trying to hold off to more, I lose it. And that upsets me because I can't remember that good idea I had before, but it's written down. Yeah. So that has a lot to do with a little shortcut to always not forget stuff. Um, and then the other journaling I do do is to work things out in my head. Yeah. Also.
1: Well, kind of like, it's like defragging your, your, your hard drive a yeah. little bit. It's also relieving some pressure off your processor, right? So if we, yeah, brain like dump that. is, yeah, brain dump is another term to use. Okay. I've got time for one more question. Um, you, uh, y- you, and I have talked about this in the past and I know you utilize meditation as a technique. And, um, again, I'll, i come into people say, oh, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to do this or whatever. And, and I myself find that those, those moments are great for clearing your head. What has meditation done for you? How do you do it? How do you find the time in the day to, to make it happen?
2: I created a habit of what I got to do that before bed. Um, actually I do before bedtime. So it slows down my brain. Uh, I discovered everyone's telling me my whole life. So I got to learn how to relax. How I learned to relax. But right now, like physically. I can't relax mentally. I can't relax, so uh, I I wrote a blog. But that is actually I was searching for the wrong thing. So what I've now searched for is calm. If I can just calm my mind down to fall asleep, uh, calm my body. Um, So technically, what I do is called mindfulness meditation, and it's guided, and it's all about getting present and you know, ADHD mind, you come up with ideas, your brain doesn't stop. So it's not the fact that you're trying to get a zero with the thoughts. It's once you catch yourself with the thought, you grab it, you let it go and go back to your focus of the breath. So it's okay to fail in this mindfulness. And then the more you do it, it's a skill. You can't get it right away. I decide to do... Just every day for a year, I just decided to make that commitment. And after three months, I noticed I can start seeing my day to day be more mindful because I, I found out I was never present to work on things that are now. I was always work, always in the future, working on the present, working in the present. So. It's really changed, it, it's calming. Um, I'm always starting seeing when I am triggered, I seem to subconsciously just start to take the breath and, and just dump the mind every once in a while.
1: Andre, I, I can't tell you how, how much fun this has been to talk to you today. Um, you, you brought some really great information, and I, I think this this final concept of finding calm is, is a great theme, really, for the whole thing, in mm-hmm. a way. I, and, and I think it's, it's something that we all have a hard time doing, or at least entrepreneurial minds have a hard time doing, is, is finding that, that moment and, and dealing with all the noise, especially in today's world with technology and everything gets thrown to us. There's so much difficulty in getting there so um, I, I, I appreciate your sharing your story it's not an easy thing to do um, to, to come and talk about the struggles that that, that that you have and yet we all go through them and I, I think it's something to have an awareness of awareness of others awareness of self and um, and I appreciate that so thank you for being on with with, with me today
2: no, I appreciate the opportunity, Chris. And any time for us to have a good intellectual, mindful chat, it's always a pleasure. Oh, I appreciate that, man. And
1: we're, we're going to be talking more. Um, you know, I'm, Andre's going to be back. Uh, he, he brings a lot to the table. So stay tuned for that. And, you know, uh, to all the listeners out there, if um, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me. You can, you know, email me through, the, um, through the, the radio show website or go to transformativeexperts.com where you can contact me. Also see what's going on in our world. Um, sign up for the newsletter. Let's, let's, um, let's, let's get some information out there. And um, until next time, we've got another good show coming up next week. Uh, look forward to having all of you with me. Take care.
0: Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a good week.